Thanks for downloading this podcast from RNIB Connect Radio. Recently, we spoke with Alan Brown MP all about his support for Guide Dog's campaign to have audio-visual announcements on buses, so talking buses, if you like, so that uh, people with visual impairments, or indeed uh, those who are visiting the country or people whose first language isn't English, can get some audio or visual announcements to help them on their journeys. Now, Alan was a big supporter of the campaign, and he's also been hitting the streets to find out what it's like going about with a cane and a guide dog and Alan joins us now. Alan thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for speaking to me. Um, we spoke recently Alan about the whole talking buses campaign which guide dogs have been quite a, a lead. Um, why did that interest you? It interested me because it just seems such a simple measure that could be implemented that could actually help so many people and it's just that being able to enact legislation for the benefit of others a simple fashion just seemed logical to myself. Uh, and this is something which, which can happen or, or be campaigned for at Westminster. So what, what kind of influence would you have there? So what I hope to do is continue to work with guide dogs who are working at the moment. The buses bill is actually going through the House of Lords and they've actually got some cross-party support in the House of Lords to table amendment to the bill. Now, if the government does not accept that amendment, then I would then hope to do the same likewise when it comes back to the House of Commons. And I would work with fellow MPs and actually then put forward an amendment in the House of Commons and then actually speak to that and actually lead a debate on it within the House of Commons. Now, you've also very recently been out on the streets just walking around with, with a cane and a guide dog blindfold and so on. What was that like? It was very daunting. It was quite intimidating. I mean, I, I know it's a very artificial setting for myself because, you know, I'm doing it in a one-off, but it was undertaken to give some sort of insight into how partially sighted people have to navigate the streets and then also what it would be like for somebody like myself who then had to struggle on a bus, for example. What that's doing is giving me that background information that I can then use that as part of any debate that I'm taking part in at Westminster to actually highlight my experience and try and relate that to people who have, have to undergo such experiences on a day and daily basis. So, so tell me about your walk then. What kind of things were you doing? Okay, so what I did, I undertook a walk from my office up through the town centre of Kilmarnock and the idea was to navigate my way to the bus station and then get on a bus and get the bus back to my office. So I was given a pair of special goggles, which basically mimicked somebody having severe loss of sight. What the goggles did, it didn't quite give me full darkness. It allowed patches of light to enter. I actually found that quite intimidating in its own way. I was advised that somebody severe loss of sight, having very partial sight, would still be regarded clearly as an aid compared to full loss of sight, but I found the, the pockets of light very disorientating. Also, as I was putting my goggles on, I suddenly realised it was bin collection day, so that made me realise I had a whole raft of further obstacles to navigate in the streets, which again, people obviously have to do that every day in life when they're navigating the streets. As I did the walk, I, I very quickly actually truthfully got disorientated. As I walked along the street, 
there's a, an area which I should be familiar with where a building actually protrudes out into the pavement so you know the, the alignment of the buildings and the street changes and so I effectively got myself trapped in the corner where the building changes and so I had to kind of work backwards and then reorientate myself and so I, I realised my own innate sense of direction very quickly was impeded so I, I had to think carefully about what I was doing. It's interesting you mentioned the, the, the bins, Alan, because, you know, if you have a visual impairment for a long time, as I do myself, you get to know the streets, you know your way around and you can navigate them. Okay, but once you throw in random things like bins or cars on the pavement or where pavements are being dug up and so on, that it can really throw you quite a bit. Yeah, and I, I can fully appreciate that. And I also then realised that the problems with the A-frames that many shops use to advertise their shop, clearly that becomes another clutter. You have to navigate around it. And for something yourself that becomes familiar with streets, you might be familiar with certain A-frames, for example, that are there all the time. But equally, people put them out on a random basis, and I'm quite sure they don't put them in exactly the same position every day. So, yeah, I was able to realise that people do things where they don't have that wider understanding of how it can affect other people's daily lives. So, so what about the bus station and sort of finding the bus and getting on and, and that part of the journey? Was that um, equally challenging? That was very challenging. The immediate access into the bus station was very busy. There were a lot of people about. So, again, I found that quite intimidating. Being aware of people around me and not wanting to bump into them. But this time, I was actually using the dog rather than the cane. And truthfully, I was kind of glad I wasn't using the cane because... <laughs> I'd be frightened I would actually perhaps hit somebody with the cane, even though they should be understanding and hopefully would recognise somebody with a cane trying to access the area. We went to the first bus stands. Now, I didn't know what bus I would need to get, so that was a challenge in itself, which I appreciate other people would need to do. So we went to the first bus stands, discovered there is a button for audio announcements and audio information, and that wasn't working. So right away, that was something else that I realised that perhaps, you know, maintenance hasn't kept up to date enough. And it's only when you go to access information like that that you find out it's not working. And so that's intimidating. Now, I had aids for the guide dogs with me, so they were able to actually ask people and we eventually got on the right bus. But again, you realise some other people could be really isolated and, you know, I appreciate the difficulty that that, that must pose for them. So do you, do you find a seat okay on the bus and um, what was it like actually, you know, trying to find your stop? Trying to find my stop was, in truthfulness, an impossibility. You couldn't count. something, again, I hadn't given enough thought to before in terms of you can't even count the bus stops because if there's nobody waiting to go on or off a particular bus stop, then the bus just passes that by. So I was completely... I had a helper, and the helper actually navigated it for me, but otherwise I was completely either at the mercy of a friendly bus driver or a friendly passenger. I could not have done that myself because there was absolutely no way of knowing where the bus was and where to get off for the bus stop when even to press the stop button on the bus in time to allow the driver to stop. So that crystallises the absolute need for the audiovisual information and the fact that not only does it tell you what stop you're at, but obviously it gives advance warning that the next stop will be, and that allows you then clearly to interact better rather than having to rely on 
passengers, and they might not be enough passengers on the bus, they're a friendly driver, and the driver might be distracted by other things, and he needs to keep aware of his own surroundings and what's going on round about him. So, as I say, I'm repeating myself in terms of, but it crystallises the need for that audiovisual information to be there in the buses. So you, you have that real insight in, into what it's like in that very short space of time. As you said, you know, you can take the, the goggles off again. You don't need the dog or the cane, but for others, you know, it's an everyday 24-7 occurrence. So do you think if you're talking to ministers in the House, then, you know, getting that whole emphasis across that you've been there, you've done it, and just letting them know you know, emotionally what it was like for you and, and maybe the frustration or the fear that was in there as well. Absolutely, and that's exactly the purpose of that experience, and I'll, I'll certainly be doing that, and I'll be challenging them to think what it would be like for themselves and how could you not accept such a simple change in legislation going forward. And it's one that we've already argued it's not going to be an excessive cost to bus companies and they can factor it in because it's proposed only to apply to new buses so there's not some retrospective hidden cost that the bus companies can't allow for. So it's very simple and as I say, I'll certainly challenge the ministers to think about that, use my experiences, challenge them to speak to people with visual impairments and get their experiences even if they won't listen to my experience. Alan, it's something we'll, we'll continue to follow the progress of the bill. We certainly hope that something uh, will make it onto the statute books because it will make a massive difference to people. But for the moment, thank you for speaking with us on RNIB Connect Radio. Okay, thank you for hosting. Let's hope we're successful with this campaign. For more downloads like these, visit rnibconnectradio.org.uk slash podcasts.